The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Thank you so very much for joining me for episode 99. Man, we are so close to 100. I can taste it. It is just in my grasp. I can just grab it with my outstretched arms and bring it close to me. It is so near to where we are. I'm so very excited to get to those triple digits next week. But I'm not looking ahead. I'm not one of those college football programs that you know is just looking to their opponent two weeks from now because their opponent this week isn't that important. No, no, no. This episode is pretty dang important, too. We got lots of fun stuff to talk about, and I'm so excited to have you all here to talk all about it. Uh, first, some housekeeping. You can rate, review, and subscribe to the Break the Business podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And you know, I've been making fun of Stitcher. I always say it's sort of our our uh, ignored stepchild of our various podcasting platforms. But no, 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 Stitcher. You can get into the family photo, too, because you've been you've been producing for us lately. We've been getting some Stitcher love from those listeners finally on that platform. So, yeah, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. We love you no matter where you are. As long as you throw us those nice ratings and reviews and all that good stuff, we are happy to hear from you. And that's why we want you to contact us, frankly. Uh, give us an email, breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R and throw a likeity like on Facebook, facebook.com slash break the business. We got an audio book out, folks. Uh, there are three, count them, one, two, three ways to enjoy the Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry book. There is the paperback and ebook that's been around for a while now, but we got an audio book that's read by me, the author, and you can get all of that at Amazon.com. Just slurch, slurch. How about search break the business? Um, slurch. What was I doing there? It's a great book. I, I'm happy with it. And I am so pleased with the responses we've been getting about it. I wanted this book to help artists. It is a, it's a how-to guide for making it in the music business. But it's not, but it's written with today's artist in mind. Um, it's a product of my own legal background and my skepticism with record deals. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I'm not a big fan of the record label model as an entertainment lawyer. I've seen it hurt a lot of my clients. And so I've written a book about the dangers of those record deals. And more importantly, I've worked to provide you a blueprint for how you can achieve success on your own terms by keeping your intellectual property, by being the top of your pyramid, being the CEO of your music career, and taking advantage of all of today's technology that allows you to be a success in the music industry on your own terms. And believe me, folks, I'm not the be-all and end-all when it comes to the music industry knowledge. And that's why this book not only has my insights, but has the insights of many fantastic independent musicians who are doing great things in their career, who I interviewed to help uh, get all the information that's in this book. It's it's chock full of great insight from so many fantastic artists, and I think you're going to like it if you haven't gotten your hands on it already. Again, that's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence, and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in paperback, ebook, and now audiobook on Amazon.com. Shameless plug over our guest this week. So 
very excited to have one of my dearest friends in the music indie industry universe here, the fantastic Cheryl B. Engelhart will be joining us this week. If you don't know who she is, what's the matter with you? No, it's okay. I understand. It's fine. But you're going to get to know her now. She is a New York-based singer-songwriter. She's a music industry mentor. And she's big on this mentor kick, man. She's got so many great resources that she created on her website, inthekeyofsuccess.com. I highly recommend checking it out. Some of them are free. Some of them are paid. All of them are terrific. She's also got a lot of great music of her own. You know, a lot of these music industry mentors... You forget that a, couple, a lot of them are actually pretty dang good musicians in her own right, and she is no exception. You can find her music at cbemusic.com, and she's been getting out there and doing some cool things. She recently spoke about artist branding at CD Baby's DIY Musician Conference in Nashville just last week, and I'm really happy and excited to have her on so I can talk to her about the things she brought up in that talk. We, um, her talk was specifically about branding, as I said before, and we've kind of been on a branding kick here at the break, the business podcast for the last couple of weeks. Last week, as y'all remember, we had Berkeley music business professor and assistant chair of the music business department, Tanya Butler on, she talked all about branding, uh, gave us some fantastic insight about it. She was so funny and engaging. And I'm still on a branding kick. I want to learn more about branding. So I'm bringing in more branding people. I'm just backing up the branding Brinks truck and just getting all the branding riches we can from all these insightful music industry folks. And that's why Cheryl B. Englehart is going to be joining us to talk about branding. We actually had her on a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, and she was fantastic. And so for even that reason, I'm happy to have her on because I love having the repeat guests. I love... Starting a conversation with an artist during a previous time, maybe a year or two ago when we had them on, and then picking up where that conversation last left off. And so I love the repeat guests. So I'm excited to have Cheryl B. Englehart coming up in the next segment. But before we bring her in, I want to chat with you all about a couple things. Specifically, episode 100. As I excitedly intimated in the opener of this show Episode 100 is coming, man. It is next week. We have made it. We've been teasing it and talking about it and, oh, it's going to be coming up. We're at 92. We're at 93. We're at 96. It's getting closer and closer. Now we're here. Triple digits. Our little podcast. Triple digits. And I'm I'm really excited because as I've said many times when I'm talking about episode 100 in previous episodes, I did not think we were going to make it this far. My goodness. Uh, most most podcasts don't get to episode 100. And this one wouldn't have gotten to episode 100 if it weren't for you all and this community we've built and the people I get to talk to on Twitter and the ones who email and the ones I hear from who tell me that this podcast is something that has benefited them. And man, that makes me feel good. And that alone, that kind of feedback where I've been told that the show we've put together is a positive influence in people's lives, that makes me want to keep doing it. And so we've used that momentum to get all the way to episode 100. But one of the things that we have not been able to figure out in the last few weeks, and I've been bringing this up constantly, is we don't know what we want to do yet or we haven't known what we want to do yet for episode 100. We've been talking about it. We've been saying we've been kicking around ideas, but we've never come up with something concrete. We don't know what our exact episode 100 plan was going to be. 
until now. We have finally figured it out. We have put all the details together, and man, we got our episode 100 planned out, and it is going to be a party, and I'm so excited to tell you all about it right now. Here's what we're doing next week. Prepare yourself. First, we are gonna, we're working on getting an in-studio musical guest to play on the show, so you don't have to just listen to me talk. You get to listen to somebody more talented sing and play an instrument, and I want to keep the identity of the musical guest secret for now, And I'd like to be able to tell you it's because, oh, I'm trying to do the podcasting tease and get you all excited and get you discussing, ooh, who's the guest going to be? But that's not really the reason. The real reason is, just in case I don't 100% close this deal, because we're about 99% closed on getting this guy for next week, but just in case I don't close the deal, I don't want to you know create an expectation in anybody's head. So we're going to leave the guest, any mystery guest for now, but we're going to have a live performance here in the studio. We've never done this before. We've never had... We've played music, we've played songs on the show, but they've always been pre-recorded, but we're going to have a real live studio musical guest on the show for episode 100. So that's pretty cool. That alone, I think, is worth downloading that episode 100 next week. Oh, but we're not done. We are not resting on our laurels there, folks. We got so much more that we're doing next week. Here's another thing that we're going to do. Episode 100, in my view, is going to be really cool because... We're going to stay true to our roots. And at its roots, this show, the Break the Business podcast, is all about helping people. We exist to help people. We, that's why we're here. That's what this is all about. It's about, you know, I I got into entertainment law because I wanted to help artists. And this podcast exists to help artists. And so we're here to help. And we want to help any way we can and help anyone we can. And so for episode 100... Our goal is to help people and help a lot of people. And specifically, we want to help two groups of people. That's the goal for episode 100. And I'm going to break down who these two groups are. The first group that we're going to help in episode 100, I don't know why I keep calling it episode 100, (laughs) episode 100, the first group we want to help is the same group we help every week, musicians, fantastic artists just like you. And here's how we're going to help musicians next week, this first group. We're going to devote a significant chunk of that episode 100 show to answering listener questions about their music career. So it makes it it sounds exactly the way I'm saying it's going to sound. Any question you want answered about your own career, we're going to answer it. Any kind of tips you want, and it's going to be on any topic about music that you want us to answer. If you have like legal tips that you want or business tips or any kind of music stuff or social media, crowdfunding, any of the topics that we've discussed on any of our 99 preceding episodes, we're going to try to answer it as best we can. We're going to use all the resources we have. I'm going to bring in other guests to answer these questions, but we want to answer as many questions as we can in episode 100 about your career. We want to give out as many tips as we can because that's what we do around here. We help artists. So here's how it's going to work. This week, send your questions to breakthebusiness at gmail.com, or you can send them directly to me on Twitter. I'm at Ryan K-A-I-R. So again, you send your questions, either breakthebusiness at gmail.com, or send them to me directly on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. And the goal next week for episode 100, in addition to having our guest play next week, is we're going to read and answer as many questions as we can on the show. We're not going to do any news stories or anything like that. This is just going to be pure helping musicians directly 
by answering your question. And I'm not sure how much of an incentive this is, but I'm going to throw this in the pot. The best listener question we get for the episode 100 answering listener question a thon we'll get a free copy of the break the business book we'll send one out to you so um that's a nice little incentive but you know we want to answer as many questions as we can so send your questions about any kind of tips you want to get for your music career on any of the topics that we've discussed in our 99 episodes of the podcast we'd love to answer them for you and you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com or send your questions directly to me at twitter i'm at ryan k-a-i-r but that's the group we want to help next week during episode 100, musicians just like you. However, I did say we want to help two groups next week, and that's exactly what we want to do. Musicians, you're the first group. We're going to help you as we do every week, but since episode 100 and getting to episode 100 is such a big milestone, we want to up the ante a bit. We want to expand our net of the people we help, and frankly... I think what we've discovered in this past week and been reminded of is that there's a big world out there outside of our little podcast bubble, you know, outside of our community of indie content creators and fantastic creative folks like you, there's a big world out there. And when things get tough in that world, we as a community need to step up and that has been made no more apparent than it has this past week when we have seen the devastation that has uh, been wrought with Hurricane Harvey in Houston and the Gulf Coast. And so we would be remiss in ignoring that community as we consider how we can help others. And so the first group that we're going to help in episode 100 is musicians just like you. But the second group we want to help are people who have been adversely affected by Hurricane Harvey. I'm from Miami, Florida. We're no stranger to hurricanes. We actually got one that's uh, heading right for us, it looks like, and getting a little nervous about that. But we want to help people. And so here's what we're going to do. For every question that you send for this uh, question and answer-a-thon that we're going to be doing next week for episode 100, for every question that you send the Break the Business podcast that we answer on the show, the Break the Business podcast will donate $10 to Hurricane Harvey relief efforts. I'll say that again. Uh, for every question that you send that we answer on next week's show, our podcast will donate $10 to Hurricane Harvey relief efforts. And we want that donation number to be as big as possible. We want to be able to send as much as we can from our humble little podcast because we want to help some people. And so... We're going to try to answer as many questions as we can next week. If it means that we have to extend the length of the episode or do a double episode or a triple episode or just, you know, answer the questions rapid fire, whatever we have to do, we're going to answer as many questions as we can so that this community can help the people of Houston and the Gulf Coast as much as we can uh, through the vessel of this humble podcast. So that's the idea. For episode 100, we're going to do three things. First, we got our uh, mystery musical guest next week. Very excited to have a live person play in the studio. But we're also going to help people. We're going to help you, the artist, as we try to do each week. And we're going to do that by answering as many of your listener questions as possible. And again, the best question gets a free break, the business book. But more importantly, for every question that you, the listeners, send in that we answer on the show... 
the Break the Business podcast will donate $10 to Hurricane Harvey relief efforts, and we're going to try to make that number as big as we can by answering as many questions as we can. So send your questions this week. Let's make this happen. Breakthebusiness at gmail.com, or you can send them to me directly on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. And a little programming note, speaking of hurricanes, as I said a little earlier, uh, Miami, where I'm from, is uh, currently facing its own potential hurricane situation. We have Hurricane Irma, which is uh, somewhere east of the Bahamas, kind of making its way over here. And it could make landfall in Miami one week from today or sometime during the weekend, maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we don't know if it's going to hit us yet. And if it does hit us, we don't know how direct it's going to be. Right now, (laughs) the weather has it either coming basically straight into my backyard. I mean, the, the, (laughs) about half the statistical models have this thing landing right in my backyard, you know, right next to where my dog sleeps, you know, uh, in the middle of the day when, when he, when she wants to go outside to do her business, that's potentially where the hurricane's going. But then the other half, the statistical models have it basically coming right up on the Florida coast and then making a direct turn North and just shooting out into the Atlantic ocean. And we don't know which of the two it's going to be. Half the models right through Miami, half the models, you know, doing a Mario Kart power slide turn, like hard turn north right before it hits Miami. And we don't know what's going to happen. But obviously, if this hurricane comes to Miami this weekend, it might create a situation where we don't get to do the podcast this next weekend. Uh, Because obviously, if we don't have electricity, that might be tough for the show. But that doesn't mean we're not going to do episode 100. If we have to wait a week to get that episode out, we're still going to do it because we're going to help some people. So, guys, listen up. Let's do this, okay? Let's help some people for episode 100. Let's help artists like you. And more importantly, let's help Houston and the Gulf Coast by sending those questions in. Uh, again, one more time, breakthebusiness at gmail.com, or you can send your questions directly to me at on Twitter, at Ryan K-A-I-R. How can you not be excited for episode 100 at this point? It's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm, I already wish it was next week, unless, of course, uh, Hurricane Irma comes, and then I'm not wishing that it's next week. But either way, episode 100 is going to be fantastic. Now, as I said before, we got Cheryl B. Engelhart coming up in the next segment. I am so happy to have her on again. She is super insightful. And she is as fantastic of a musician as she is a music mentor. I, I really love talking to her in the interview that we had with her a year ago. Uh, in, in, in case you're kind of new to the podcast and you haven't listened to that interview, let's chat a little bit about it. Because I think I want to kind of preview our upcoming chat with Cheryl by giving you an idea of how terrific she is by talking about our last conversation. So... During that interview a year ago, I asked our upcoming guest, Cheryl, for her advice on overcoming career plateaus. And I specifically asked her for a single example of a career plateau that she encountered in her life and what she did to overcome it. I love giving those kind of questions. Like, I don't, I, I like to ask, you know, for specific examples from musicians because I think you get some good nuggets of information out of that uh, when you interview people. And so I asked again, Cheryl, can you give me a single example of a career plateau that you encountered in your career and what you did to overcome it? And the answer she gave during the interview was really awesome. What Cheryl told me in that interview a year ago 
is that she couldn't give me a single example of a career plateau because for her, career plateaus were basically a monthly occurrence. They were a regular part of her career. And granted, you know, listen, folks, this is somebody who achieves a lot of great things in her career as an indie artist. She's not by any means a failure in the business. She's a great success in this business. And she's had a career that many musicians would envy. And even she still has to encounter challenges. Listen to this clip. Every month, like sometime during the month, I'm like, I just, I'm going to look for a day job. Fuck this. Like, I, I really like every month. You know, wow. Every, oh, every month, every month, every month. I think that's and, a, that's a useful thing for many artists to hear because you got a lot of cool stuff going on. You certainly you. you certainly done a lot of the things that many indie artists want to do. And I think it can be satisfying for them to hear. Wow. If she <laughs> contemplates a day well, job once a month, then you know maybe I shouldn't feel so bad. Yeah. And I, the reason I came up with, I, I, I sort of started to look into a very good friend of mine who has like what I think is like a fairy tale marriage told me that she wants a divorce like once a month. And I was like, <laughs> what are you kidding me? And like, that just made me feel so much better about like my own relationships and like, just that it's the, the point being that like, no one has it easy. It, it's a rocky road and you can like push through to get to the other side if you're committed to it. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you listeners might find that response of hers a little disheartening. You might be saying to yourself, man, even successful indie artists like her are still going through difficulties. That sucks. But you really should be turning your feelings around on it if that is how you're feeling, because you want to find the optimistic message in what she's saying. Her words should remind you that even if you're going through tough times, even if you're experiencing self-doubt about yourself and your own career, even if you think about giving up constantly, that's okay. You're okay. We all go through self-doubt when trying to achieve big goals. We all contemplate giving up sometimes. Believe me, that's not just limited to the music industry either. All of us go through these difficult moments, but that doesn't mean that you still won't achieve great things. Nor does it mean that you can't move past these obstacles that you're currently encountering. So, you might be asking, well, how do I move past these obstacles? You do it by adhering to the last words of the response that Cheryl gave. You hold firm to your goals that you are committed to achieving. You keep focused. And how do you do that? Cheryl elaborated on that point a little later in the interview. She stated that it's critical for you to craft a simple, overarching mission statement for yourself. Have a few words of guiding light that remind you of what you want to do with your career that give you focus and strength when things get tough. In all of my courses, I talk about getting clear on your commitment or your statements. So I have this like one sentence that took me years to find out, figure out what it, what, what are the words? What's the semantics of like what I'm really up to? And is that, does that continue to be bigger than my like lazy streak or whatever it is that's having me have this like plateau breakdown? And for me, like what I'm committed to is self-expression through partnership and creativity. And and so, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I, all I want to do is watch Netflix, I'm like, is, who's being self-expressed here? I'm like, mm, nobody. Who is in partnership? Mm, me and the TV. So nobody. Who's being creative? Nobody. So it's like, you, you know, I, I have that as like a sticky note. It's like on my on my computer. Like it, it's a reminder that like if I'm doing something that is, you know, self-expression is present. There's partnership. Like this being on this call with you right now is totally a fulfillment of what I'm committed to. Like we're both, you know, in partnership, we're dancing. Every conversation is creative unless it's completely scripted, which this is not. So like 
you know, I'm being self-expressed. I'm hopefully providing something to allow some musicians listening to be self-expressed. So this is like bigger than the Netflix binge, which is, I guess, my example of the other side of it. So I have that tool that helps a lot. So when you're in a plateau, what do you do? First step, forgive yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Even if you're experiencing career doubt a lot, because even the best in the business have low moments now and again. Second step, reorient yourself by shifting the focus back to your basic goal that you want to achieve with your career. Staying focused on a simple guiding principle such as Cheryl's self-expression through partnership and creativity will keep a short-term plateau from obscuring your long-term ambitions. I'm hoping that Cheryl's words motivated you. I'm hoping they make you feel ready to conquer the world. And if you really liked what she had to say just now, well, there's plenty more where that came from. Cheryl B. Engelhart coming up next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time, my new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. She is a New York-based singer-songwriter and music business coach who recently spoke at CD Baby's DIY Musician Conference about artist branding. She provides a wide variety of educational resources for musicians at her website, inthekeyofsuccess.com, and you can find her music at cbemusic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we're happy to welcome back Cheryl B. Engelhart on the Break the Business podcast. Cheryl, great to hear from you again. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, we last had you on the show almost exactly a year ago in September. Yeah. It, it's I know. almost to the day. And <laughs> on that show, you gave some terrific advice on overcoming career plateaus. We really very much appreciated that. And now I'm just sort of curious, how have things been going for you since we last chatted? What's been going on in your world? Oh, man. So much stuff. Thanks for asking. Um, I think the, you know, the beginning of this year, I spent a lot of time sort of tightening up some of the resources I had been producing for musicians. I got some great feedback over the past two years and, um, tried to, you know, I moved some of my courses over to a new platform that I'm really excited about. So I, I sort of had the business hat on for a little bit, trying to, trying to do that sort of thing. Um, in the meantime, I've been working with a couple producers and got signed to a licensing company specifically working on writing music for commercials. So, you know, that was another, that was like the creative hat that sort of started happening like mid February. So I took that, um, you know, create the creative juices and sort of put them in that, you know, put all my eggs in that basket, so to speak creatively. And then, uh, this, this summer, I actually just returned from a trip to the Middle East where I was singing with a choral group that I'm in. Um, they actually debuted a piece of mine, which was really, really neat. And we were singing all over Israel and Palestine and the West Bank and and working with some choral groups and children's choirs and things over there and sort of opening up some conversations. It was really, really interesting trip. And now I'm writing more for them. So I'm, I literally was just playing some choral music I was writing. So it's a, kind of a lot of stuff, but 
all in all, it feels really well balanced and it was really fun to be in Nashville for the CD baby conference and, um, get to talk about all this stuff and how, how it applies to branding and your website organization and all that stuff. So, so a lot of downtime for you, it sounds like. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. So a lot of downtime for you. It sounds like just taking it easy. Yeah, Got pretty it. much. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know how I do it, but I get a lot of Netflix time and I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. Oh, well, well, all right. Now I got to know what, what's, what's on the Netflix queue right now. What are you binging? I have to say that it might actually be Hulu. I say Netflix because it feels a little more, but in the world of Hulu, I've kind of got into This Is Us. I know I'm behind the times on that train. Um, I'm definitely a fan of the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt that is on Netflix. Oh, that's fabulous. (laughs) And uh, on Hulu, Casual. Also a big fan of Casual. So those are my... Those yeah. are the ones I'm, I'm kind of watching now. I have a couple of guilty pleasures, but you'll never know them. You'll have to pry them out of me. Oh, oh, good. Oh, see, like I have all these questions for you about branding, but all right. You know what? <laughs> I, I, I can see that you're not just going to offer up what these guilty pleasures are. Right. Um, but if, if throughout the interview, if I guess them. <laughs> yes, I'll. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I mean, can you give me a clue? Because I, I kind of want to know, like, what universe of, of shows should we be looking at here in terms of your guilty nope. pleasures? Damn. Damn. Um, ooh, <laughs> shoot. That's going to be tough. I mean, that's going to be just, oh, all right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ruminate on that. I'm going to think about that. But you, you have to pretend you're a songwriter in the sense that you have to create something from nothing. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Um, so last <laughs> week, uh, you, you, you hinted on this, but you spoke at the D, uh, DIY Musician Conference sponsored by CD Baby in Nashville. You gave a talk on artist branding, and your timing is impeccable because this show has been on an artist branding kick lately. And so we're glad to have you on to keep that conversation going. In fact, just last week, we spoke with Berkeley Professor of Music and Music Business Department Vice Chair Tanya Butler who taught us that branding is more than just your literal brand, you know, your trademark. Here's what she said in the clip so you can hear it, Cheryl. It's actually pretty interesting. Sure. I think musicians are branding themselves all the time. Just like I tell my students, when you don't come to class, when you don't turn in an assignment, when you're late all the time, when you're talking in the back of the room when the professor is instructing, you are branding yourself. You are burning an image or a perception in my mind of what's important to you. Musicians do it all the time. When they don't reach out and build a relationship with their fans, when they um, put together an entire album, let's say, worth of songs without testing the market. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, It sounds like during your talk, and by the way, she's a hoot. Uh, You should go back and listen to that interview if you didn't. She is the best. Um, I kind of told her she should have her own podcast, but I'm kind of afraid if she does, cause she'll just steal my audience completely. She's so fantastic. But, um, during your talk at the CD baby conference, it sounds like you must've taken a similar approach to branding in a way. Cause you spoke about how branding is a general tool for artists to help them boost their career. Uh, how so? Well, I mean, she sort of said the, the key thing that she said is, is you're letting, or now I'm paraphrasing, you're letting me know what is important to you. And my whole thing is your branding should convey what is most important to you. What do you want a fan to do when they land on your website? What do you want? What do you want us to think? What do you want the experience of your music to be for someone else? So I, I think she's, she's dead on. I mean, my talk was actually about authentic branding and I didn't get into 
too much of the like and I also agree with her that it's not just your logos and your colors and your you know your fonts and things like that that is a part of it and that should represent your bigger picture but the conversation I got into was a little more like who are you and Mm -hmm. why does why why do you matter and why I actually started the whole the whole thing with asserting that you musicians and I can only say this because I was one of them am one of them are not saying anything that matters, period, end of story. Mm. And we are so focused on promoting, promoting, promoting. How can someone help me? How can you help me? How can you help me? Sell, sell, sell. Like one of the, a variation of one of those things, right? That that is what we're throwing out there. And it's not branding. It's not messaging. It's not communicating. It's definitely not relationship building. But shifting that promotion to connection is sort of where we want the branding to actually land and why we want to have branding because branding is part of your story, which is another thing we heard a ton of in the CD baby conference. A lot of people saying you need to tell your story, you need to tell your story. And I actually took a survey of the audience There are 250 people there and everyone knew that they needed a story. That was the first question. Who here knows you need a story, not just a bio, not like a list of resume, right? Not like I played the guitar and then I was in this band and then I was in, and then, and then, and then, but really like a story as in something that captivates someone else so that they can connect with you and hear something of themselves in it. And my second part of that, that survey I, t- I took of the audience was who here has no idea where to start in terms of telling your story. Like we don't know what is interesting about ourselves generally. Like I used to scuba dive for the government and I told this story too. Huh. So anyone that's listening and heard this, hopefully I won't regurgitate my whole talk, but I used to That was my first job out of college. I was a bio major and a music major. I double majored. And when I tell people like, yeah, I had a scuba diving job, I stopped it because I was bored. So when I say I had a scuba diving job for the government, I get bored. But (laughs) when I say that, people are like, what? That is amazing. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Is that that's that's interesting to you? So I started to see and I heard this this great piece of advice. Your story should be really focus on three, two to five, three is my, my happy number transitions that you went through mm. in your life. So the moment I decided I didn't want to do science, I wanted to do music. That's interesting. What's the story around that transition? Oh, I was scuba diving. <laughs> I got bored. And then I landed a job in an ad agency in the city. So in New York city, I say the city, but, um, that, that's a transition that's really key. Like we all started playing music at some point. We all did this, we all did this, but like, why did you decide to go from not doing that to doing that or living somewhere to living somewhere else? The motivation behind why you made that decision is usually the thing that's most interesting. So, um, I'm, I'm digressing to the story part of the brand, but the whole, the whole brand is, is designed to connect with someone. And I, I asserted in my talk and and continue to assert that, we are focused on when we're, you know, musicians are so concerned with how to make money and to get the music out there, which is a concern. Like we we're making music for a reason. So of course we want it out there, but I think we sort of get a little bit of tunnel vision and we forget that the people that are going to help share the music and buy the music are the people that connect with us. And that's, that's the point of the brand to sort of put everything out there, the colors, the fonts, all that stuff will, will create the picture, the experience of who you are as a human being, what you're committed to, what you're up to and the way you organize your website. And then of course the text and copy and what you're actually saying will lead people to, you know, understand who you are and therefore want to connect with you versus you demanding that they buy something. (laughs) So 
I, I'm totally aligned with what the clip we just heard. Um, and I sort of got a little deeper, like a little more personal, um, in, in my talk. And I pulled some people up on stage and talked about their, you know, default way of being, what are you really committed to versus how do you sort of act by default and how is that keeping you small? Um, so we sort of dug into that, that realm, so to speak. All right. Is the guilty pleasure show pretty little liars? Oh yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't say no. that. I watched that show. I like no. that show. And the re- here's the funny thing. The reason I watched that show is because it was after um, Switched at Birth for a while. Like mm-hmm. on ABC Family, it played right after Switched at Birth. And I had a song on a on a Switched at Birth promo for episode one of a, of a new, I think it was season two. So I was like, oh, I have to, I found out I got my music on Switched at Birth, so I watched the episode, and I was like, oh, I don't mind the show, and I just kept the TV on. I don't know what I was doing, but and I watched Pretty Little Liars, and I got hooked. Hardcore. <laughs> so, so I actually wouldn't even call that, a, I mean, it's probably a guilty pleasure, but that's not the one I was thinking Oh, but what that. you're saying is we're not digging deep enough. This is just pleasure for you. Like, we have we have to get into, the, like, yeah. the darker reaches of television to find Cheryl B. Ingalls Hart's <laughs> guilty pleasure. All right, all right. Uh, we're going to send yeah. it. We're sending the team back to the lab now. We're going to get a couple more for you by the end of this Dude, interview. Were you even listening? I was just saying some golden shit right there, and you are so focused on my TV watching habits. I hope... I hope you listeners are better than our host here. No, com- come on. No, completely right. I was writing down TV <laughs> shows the whole time. No, no, no. This is a- it's, it's actually <laughs> I'm your, totally your insight was terrific. And in the, in the last two weeks, what we've been able to uh, ascertain from our foray into branding is um, what is branding other than just, you know, what I see it as a lawyer, which is just your literal brand that you register at the trademark office. And right, whereas right. Professor Butler was talking about how your brand is defined by your actions and how people perceive you because of those actions, your, your, the, the steps you take day to day, you Cheryl came in and say that, you know, branding is also a product of the story that you tell others and particularly these pivotal transition mm-hmm. events. And it's also important to kind of keep your brand unified so that whether it's on your website or with your music or whatever it is that you're kind of projecting a single brand so that consumers aren't confused. See, I was totally exactly. paying attention while writing down TV yeah, that shows. That was beautiful. I love that. You were totally, that's impressive actually. So yeah, so that's really great. And, and this is cool that these podcasts are really giving a, a full picture because I think that the actions, your actions represent your brand as well. I think that's brilliant. And I think that's completely in line with, um, all, you as a musician, everything you do say, put out there, like completely is, is a brand. It's, it's really true. So I love that. Absolutely. And, um, I think the most important aspect of all this that we don't want to lose sight of is, is the show a kid's show like my little pony? Oh my God. No. Damn. Damn. All right. All right. I'm gonna get, (laughs) all right. Okay. Um, well, how was the how was the DIY musician conference overall? Because regrettably, I wasn't able to make it this year, and it broke my heart. But what were some of the best things that you got out of the conference this year? Because I'm sure you weren't just going as a speaker; you were going as just a, an attendee as well, trying to learn some things. I always go to panels. I, I'm one of the, f- I think one of the s- fewer panelists I see around that actually go to other people's panels. Because I'm like, I'm this is great. I'm taking advantage of being here and listening to, listening to stuff. Um, I loved hearing. Um, Oh, what was it? Charles Alexander on Spotify. Really great talk about just making playlists and you just utilizing Spotify as a tool to, to get your music out there and, and the importance of streaming and that not only fans are there looking for music, but music supervisors. And yeah, like, it's just, it's, that was really valuable. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, 
I saw there's so much there's so much stuff going on there. It was it was great. Um, Suzanne Polinsky talked about sort of wellness as a musician, and and I think that wellness playing into your brand was another different interesting angle, and how to sort of the time management conversation is something that you know, there, she says, stop the sleep shaming. Like people like to brag about how they only got two hours of sleep last night because they were working so hard and so long and were so busy, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, you're just not working effectively. So we weren't, she was trying to like flip that on it. And I love that, you know, flipping that, you know, sleep bragging thing into <laughs> don't shame the people that actually get sleep and are able to like take care of themselves. I think there is something of value to that for sure. Um, no question. I didn't, Sorry. I said no question. Um, as, yeah, a, as a so big I, fan I, of sleep I, I that I am. Like, <laughs> yeah, I liked that a lot. And I thought that was, it was great. It made me feel better about going to bed a little earlier than I think the average person there was going to sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. It was nice to, I mean, I think the cool thing about the CD baby conference is that you really get to rub shoulders with everyone that's there. Not panelists don't run off into green rooms. You can kind of like see everyone out and about that night, you know, every night. And, um, you can talk to the people at CD Baby. They're like everyone just seems really accessible. So that was that was really great. Well, you were certainly a great example of that accessibility at the conference because you didn't just give your talk and run away. You actually gave mentoring sessions at the conference uh, with uh, folks it like did. Ari Hurston, who is one of my favorite people out there. Uh, can <laughs> you? Can you sort of give us uh, maybe one or two of the mentoring nuggets that maybe you gave out during some of those one-on-one -on -one sessions? Yeah. I mean, people signed up with me. I guess I was categorized as a branding person. Um, so I got a lot more questions about like websites and, and, you know, a really great question that I got and that I, I get a lot from people is like, I have a band, but I'm also a solo artist or I'm a producer, but I also am a songwriter. So should I have two websites? Um, or how do I like brand the two different things I do? And I, my answer to that question, and, and I've heard a variety of different answers to this question, but I, I only answer from my own experience, which I, I used to have a composing website and a song songwriter website, and then the resources for musicians website. And I realized that that was a lot of websites to manage and it's, and to have three different brands when they're really all all me, um, felt really confusing. I felt like I was in an identity crisis. So my advice is always to say, just make one website with your name, or, um, uh, if you're a band name, have it the band name and then have a link to just you as the project. And then the tabs in your website are sort of like the categories of what you do. I like to think of them as, as bins. If you play tennis, you know, you have all these balls all over the place and then you have the hoppers that you can like squeeze the balls into. And then you have these, all these bins full of tennis balls. So I like to think of the tennis balls as each individual thing that you do. So if you are, if you produce artists, if you mix for the artists, if you songwrite, um, if you're a singer, if you tour, those are all balls, right? And they can fit into bigger categories of bins. And those bins usually end up being the tabs on your website. And like Ari says in his book, don't be afraid of the dash, like producer slash writer slash songwriter. Now, especially or, in this industry where... yeah. Most creators today have to be more than one thing uh, to, you know, you, you can't afford to really specialize as much as you used to 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think, I, well, here's the thing about that. The, I think it's a little bit disempowering to think that I have to do these three things because I can't afford to only do one. So for me, mm -hmm. I am a singer, songwriter, composer, 
and career coach or whatever you want to call the musician resources that I create, like the courses that I run. So those are, those are three very different hats. Like when I'm film composing, I'm doing very different things than when I'm songwriting or performing. They're very different things than when I'm creating a course or hosting a course. Right. So I have these three hats, but I got to a place where I was able to do the composing thing and make, I was making more of a full-time living from composing than songwriting or the courses. And now I'm doing, focusing on the courses. And so that's sort of helped. So now it's like, I don't want to only do one. I get bored really easily. So like for me, my, my big thing, and I, and I said this also in my talk is that you want you want your career to be by your design, not by necessity. Cause when any of those things are by necessity, they, they, you start to resent them. So if you are making money as a producer, but you really want to be songwriting, like if you're getting producing gigs and you enjoy it, great. Focus on that. Keep doing what's working so that you can be financially responsible. Cause that's, that's an important thing. Like you don't, you want to be able to pay your bills, but if you don't love the producing and you could make more money being a bartender and that you're psyched about that too, then like, don't be like, Oh, I have to hold myself to this thing. I said I would do like, okay, whatever, go be a bartender and then write songs in the day and be psyched. You know, do you- so I think that whatever your <laughs> whatever you like to do should be the slash. And if one is going to help the other. So if you're producing and you know that a lot of people are going to start coming in with no songs written or half songs written and you're like, Oh, Hey, I can bring in my songwriting skills into this production client that I have. Then there's a way to tie them together and one elevates the other. So when I get successes as a songwriter, that gives me more fuel to maybe create a different course or say, Hey, look what worked for me. Let me share this process with you. So that will help my courses. If I get a composing job that takes up a lot of my time, but pays really well, then I'll have a couple extra months to do some songwriting that won't pay right up front. You know, like it, it's this balance and it's a dance between the things that you love to do. So I just, my thing is don't look at it. Like I have to do this or I'm, I'm forced to because of the money. I know a lot of people do make a living doing multiple things and having multiple streams of income. But I think those people are also the ones that enjoy doing multiple things and might get bored or need different sources of creativity to inspire them. So I just, I kind of like to frame it in a little bit more empowering way than like, Oh, I have to do this to make money. So, so you find that for you and your personal experience, um, just wearing these different hats, they, they, it creates synergies for you. It, it creates gains, yeah. you know, doing, doing the teaching stuff creates gains for you in your singing career that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, but can it, is, is it sort of the other, like, w- w- but what do you do to sort of prevent conflict between the two things? Cause I imagine there's gotta be some time management difficulties. Yeah, I'm, I look at my, so each of those three things have a different color in my calendar and every Sunday at six 30 in my calendar, I take a half an hour and I schedule my week. So what I put in my schedule is stuff that's going to make a difference for me. Like I know that I need to follow up and write this one email to this music supervisor, or I know I need to spend four hours writing out the sheet music or the charts for my band because I rehearsal next week or things that need to get done that I know will, will have me be in a different place next week when I come back to, to reschedule. So I'm not writing things like spend eight hours putting flyers up around town that don't make a difference, right? Don't do that because don't do that. Um, (laughs) or I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not writing, spend four hours scrolling through Facebook. Like those are things that are not getting into my calendar. So when I put something into my calendar, it gets done. Like I have a relationship with my calendar such that when I write something, I trust that it's something I know needs to get done. 
So that being said, I can look at my calendar and I can see, do I have balance this week? Do I see, I can just at a glance, I can see the three different colors. And if there's one too much, then I'm like, oh, I need to make sure I get in this project so that it doesn't get stagnant. So the time management thing is, is something that I'm really deliberate about. And, and if I'm, you know, if I'm working on a project or a deadline and I need to have, you know, shift the balance from all three equally to just, let's just say there's a composing project that I'm working on, then, then I know that and that's fine, but I'm, I'm looking out for it so that I don't get sick of one thing or, you know, but yeah, it's time, it's a time management thing. And, and it, and I also had to be okay with letting go that I, I had to work at all three at once. Like I don't necessarily need to do that. And, you know, this summer I was working hard on, on, or the early late spring, early summer, I was working on switching platforms for my, how I host my courses. And I didn't get one inquiry for a composing job. And I usually get three to four a month. And I literally for four months straight, I got zero inquiry. So it's kind of like, I was telling the universe, like, hold on, let me do this right. <laughs> and focus and put pretty much a hundred percent of my time into this. And I think that that had me finish it in a timely manner and had me finish it well and like do it in a way that, that worked for me. So I'm sort of going back and forth, but ultimately I think, yes, schedule it and be deliberate about how you want it to go so that you can, you know what you need in terms of how you work. Everyone works really differently. So in this particular moment, it seemed like for me, I really needed to focus on, on getting the tech and the course platform stuff handled before I dove into anything creative, that which is, is fine. Is yeah. yeah, that's truly excellent time management advice. I, I like the idea of, of creators, you know, starting the beginning of the week, taking inventory of where things are and really being deliberate about how you plan things out. On another note, is The Guilty Pleasure a sci-fi show like a Star Trek or a Babylon 5? Oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, it, it truly is a great time management advice, and um, I, I really like the way you're setting it up, and I think you have to do it that way if you're really going to have these different career dimensions like you do. And in that same vein, um, I'd love for you to put your Coach Englehart hat on mm -hmm. now. And uh, sure. talk to you a bit about some of the terrific tools you offer artists at InTheKeyOfSuccess.com, including a free resource uh, that you offer on your site about mastering the perfect pitch to help artists get more revenue-generating gigs and sync placements for themselves. Can you give us a taste of some of the guidance you offer there? What goes into a perfect pitch? Yeah, I mean, pitching is it's communication, right? And so a lot of times artists, and I used to do this, and I would notice that not only would I get knows from people. Like I'd send an email and be like, how would you do that? I would just not hear anything. Like I was the queen of crickets. Like it was just <laughs> like no responses. So I, I actually got really dorky about it. And I was like, okay, what's going on? So I did all this research, like marketing research and how to send the right email and pitch an email. So I ended up doing an experiment of sending out a hundred emails, um, to a variety of things. I was trying to book a two week tour. And so it was venues. It was press outlets. Um, it was college radio stations. And so I had a hundred, which is not actually a lot of contacts considering, you know, there's, you know, five or six different press outlets in any one gig. And then you, you're reaching out to three or four different venues per gig. So if you're trying to do 10 dates, that's like 10 emails per date. So I sent out these emails, trying out some new, new techniques and how to pitch. And I started to figure it out. I started to get responses. Um, follow-up was really important, but I realized that most of the emails I was sending, I, I really wanted to tell them my story. And that story is really about connecting with your fans. 
And if someone, if a booking agent or a promoter for a venue wants you to fill their venue on a Tuesday night and bring people like they're not going to give a crap about your story if you can do that. So it became more about solving a problem for someone else and not listing all the stuff that you're so great about and, you know, all that jazz. So yeah, I have a pet. I could dork out on pitching forever because I, (laughs) I get so many emails from musicians that are like, like even after CD baby weekend, I got an email that was like, Hey, it was so nice to meet you. I'd love to take you to coffee. This is all the stuff about me. Like, you know, coffee, check out my website. It would be so nice to go to coffee. And like, there was no request. There was no, and I'm like, like, it's just so disempowering. And it's just so, it's just so ordinary. So if you really want to come across like you're extraordinary, then you need to get your pitching. Like you need to clean that up now. So I have a free checklist that sort of digs into it. And I have, I have a very inexpensive course that has some email templates and that's called the perfect pitch. Um, the, the checklist is called prime your pitch. That's great. And I think that they are the responses I've gotten, like uh, about 700 people have done one or the other. And, and the, all the responses I get are like, oh, my God, this person got back to me. Oh, my God. And like people are like, and now we have to like do something, which is cool, because if someone says no to an email, great, you have to go send another one to a different person. You, there's something to do. If someone says yes to your request, then okay, now you have to follow up, you have to do the thing you asked them for you like, there's always something to do. So it's kind of like, don't make no mean anything and just start asking for whatever there is for you. Like whether you're trying to get a sync placement or a, a gig or find a bandmate or, you know, get a mix done, whatever it is, there's always stuff that we're asking for. And I feel like if you can do that powerfully, you'll just be unstoppable. No question. And I, I don't even know if, if this was intentional on your part, but you talked about a big part of this is telling your story in those pitches so it all seems to come back to branding in the end. It does. It does. Well, don't <laughs> tell your story in your pitch. No one wants to hear your story in the pitch. They just want to get, if you can solve their problem, great. So that's, that's the funny thing. The story is to connect. If, are mm. you trying to connect with a venue booker? I mean, maybe if you want to build a relationship with them long-term, but initially like, what do you actually want to have happen when you send that, when you press send on that email? So, you know, it's all about, and this is one of the things that, that you do in the perfect pitches before you even sit down to write the email, you figure out what your intention is. Like, what do you want to have happen? So a lot of people, if you're going to apply for a job, you're not going to write an email saying, hire me. You're going to say, I would love to get an interview or take you out to coffee or talk to you. Or like, there's something else that you want to have happen first. So you have to sort of break down, you know, what you want and be really clear about it so that they're really clear on what you want and then they can answer appropriately. So it all sounds like real common sense, but until you see it in like a list form and how to actually like format the the email so that you get results like that I have tested and tried because this, it was like driving me bananas. Like, why are people not responding to me? Um, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not common sense. Like it, it sort of is counterintuitive. You want to connect so badly to that person, but that's not actually what they need at the moment. And folks, you can find that resource and many, many other fantastic resources at Cheryl's website, inthekeyofsuccess.com. It's a fantastic, fantastic place on the web. Uh, Cheryl really knows this stuff, and it's the product of lots of experience and lots of trial and error, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. um, throughout her career. Yeah. Oh, Um, yeah. Cheryl, I imagine there's going to be people who want to keep the conversation going with you. Where can people find you? And, and when I ask that question, what I would like you to lead with is how tell the folks your awesome Twitter handle. <laughs> oh, my God. It's CBE. <laughs> Woo. That's it. Everywhere else, I'm CBE music. So my website, Facebook, 
Instagram, all that stuff is CBE music. But I somehow, when I first started Twitter, I got CBE. And a lot of people think I'm an airport in Kentucky. A lot of people think I'm Chris Brown Entertainment. Not true. <laughs> um, I There's a cannabis something or other that I've been getting a lot of tweets about recently. So <laughs> there's that. Great. <laughs> like, did you just get in on day two of Twitter? <laughs> I, I, mu- I don't know. I'm waiting for someone to be like, I will pay you a million dollars for that. But no, no, no one's done it yet. No. Give it time. Um, Cheryl, it's been a treat. Uh, thank you for uh, putting up with our craziness today. Uh, You're welcome. Do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Oh, so many. Uh, like, honestly, like since I, since I sort of did this experiment with the pitching, um, take a look at the emails that you wish you got replies to and you didn't and read, read them over out loud. And if you're even like mildly like, yeah, I get why they didn't, I get why they didn't respond. Just download this free checklist because I, I, I promise you it's going to make a difference. It's going to shift something. And it's not just because I want to have you download a free check. I don't get anything out of you downloading a free checklist, but <laughs> I, I, it's, it's really changed a lot of things for me and a lot of other artists. And I think it's, it's so, it's so important to, to be powerful when we ask for things. And I think that's not the default for musicians. I think we are tending to be like, I don't want to burden you or I'm doing a fan funding campaign. Like we're just so (laughs) scared to, to ask for stuff and people are always free to say no. And I I think we forget that. And like, if you ask powerfully and they say say no and you leave them, um, you know, you're occurring, like you're powerful and, you're giving them a choice and they can choose yes or no. And it's like no big deal to you. Great. So I think that shifting that context around, around pitching or asking for things or even just posting things that like, instead of check out my, my new video, like, Hey, would you watch this and share this with your friends? Like, why don't we do that more? Like, why do I see so much like billboard stuff where you're just like splattering the internet with stuff versus actually having a conversation and asking, asking for something with clarity. So that's my, that's my thing. I could go on about that forever, but I think it really will make a difference for a lot of people's careers if they sort of shift how they ask for stuff. That's a tremendous sage advice. Again, folks, the, the website for her many, many terrific artist development resources is in the key of success.com. And Oh, by the way, she's a pretty fantastic artist in her own right. Check out her music at cbemusic.com. Cheryl B. Engelhart, everybody. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And we can pick up the, uh, you can question and answer me on Twitter about my, my favorite, sh- my guilty pleasure show. I will happily maybe give out some hints or something. All so right. we, we can play that game. Yeah. Listeners, we need to make this happen. I failed and, I, and I'm <laughs> so sad, but I know y'all can pick up the slack for me. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, declaring your independence and achieving true success in the music industry. Available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Cheryl B. Engelhart for joining us in the previous segment. So happy to have her on again. Be sure to check out her artist development resources at inthekeyofsuccess.com. And be sure to check out her terrific music at cbemusic.com. I stream her stuff at least once a week. I love coming back to her material. It is so, so good. And listeners, 
I'm serious. We got to do this. All right. I am so upset that I could not figure out Cheryl Engelhart's guilty pleasure TV show. I am calling upon the break the business army. All of you, we need to figure out this show. Her Twitter handle is at CBE. Really easy to remember at CBE. I want you all to tweet at her and let's all try to figure out together what her guilty pleasure show is. So tweet at her guesses as to what you think that show might be. I thought maybe it might've been a sci-fi show or one of those shows like Pretty Little Liars, but I was way off. Maybe it's a reality show that might, you know, there's a lot of good guilty pleasure type stuff in there. Maybe it's one of those celebrity kind of trash TV shows, whatever it is, folks, let's do this together. All right. Let's tweet at her at CBE and let's try to figure out what this guilty pleasure show is. It's going to bother me forever and ever until I can get this out of her. So let's do this. All right. Again, that Twitter handle at CBE. Let's figure out her, her guilty pleasure TV show. Let's just overwhelm her Twitter with guesses until we figure this out. Cause I just need to know now. Anyway, uh, let us close by just talking once more again about what we're doing for episode 100 and why you all should be as excited as I am about this uh, thing we're doing. Hopefully next week if Hurricane Irma does not end up in my backyard, but let's assume it's next week until further notice. It's going to be fun. So first we got our mystery musical guest. I'm 99% sure I got him or her booked, but I don't want to reveal it until I'm absolutely positively sure because boy, I'd hate to be wrong. And then there's egg on my face, but that's the first thing we're doing. Second thing we're doing um, is we are going to help you, the artist. Uh, We're going to devote pretty much the entire show, except for our musician appearance to answering as many listener questions as possible. So you send in your questions to breakthebusiness at gmail.com or send them right to me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. We're going to answer as many as we can. And the best question we get, we'll get a free copy of the Break the Business book. But more importantly, we're going to not just help you, the artist, but we're going to help the people of Houston and the Gulf Coast who have been affected by Hurricane Harvey. And here's how we're going to do it. For every question that you send in that we answer on the episode 100 show, the Break the Business podcast will donate $10 to Hurricane Harvey relief efforts, and we're going to answer as many questions as we can. We're not doing any news segments uh, that week, no entertainment law segments for that episode. All we're going to do is answer as many listener questions as we can because we want to make that donation as big as possible, but it all depends on you, the listener. Because the more questions we get, the more questions we can answer. And and look, let, let me lay it out for you this way. We have a lot of passive listeners on this show. Because statistically, the vast majority of podcast listeners are passive. They just listen to the show. They don't interact. They don't email the hosts. They don't take an active role in the podcast community. And I'm not knocking that. That is perfectly okay. In fact... I listen to a ton of podcasts, and I'm almost always the passive listener. I don't interact with the hosts. I don't go on the forums and the fan pages and interact and email the people on the show. That's that's just not my thing because, like you, I'm a busy person. I got a lot of stuff going on. And so if you are a passive listener, that's okay. But for this week, for episode 100, let's be active. Let's send your questions so that we can answer those questions and help your career or help the careers of your loved ones. If you listen to this show for your loved ones, let's help as many careers as we can by answering as many career questions as we can 
Let's do it for this week so that we can help those people, but let's also do it for this week, most importantly, to help the people of Houston and the Gulf Coast. Let's let's do this. Let's be active for one week so that we can help a very deserving community pull themselves back up again. Again, for every question you guys send that we answer on the air, the Break the Business podcast is going to donate $10 to Hurricane Harvey relief efforts, and we're going to answer as many questions as we can. So send them in, folks so that we can uh, do something good for a fantastic community. All right, our thanks to Cheryl B. Engelhardt for joining us in the previous segment, and my thanks to you as always for listening to the Break the Business podcast. We'll see you next week for episode 100.